Now, I need to admit right up front that this whole subject matter of prayer just baffles me because there are so many different facets of it. Typed in the word prayer into Amazon, and there are over 130,000 books on this subject matter. I typed in the same word into Google, and there are over 136 million pages on prayer. This is an overwhelming subject matter. Now, I've been a follower of Christ for 48 years. I've been in the ministry for 40-plus years, and I have learned, I would say, my fair share of things about prayer. And so I want to let you in on just a few of those. One of the big ones that I've learned is that everybody likes or everybody is wired to pray. Our Creator has is, is wired us in such a way that prayer just seems natural. And everyone likes to pray in every culture. Buddhists like to pray. Muslims like to pray. Hindus like to pray. Christians like to pray. Secular people like to pray. Atheists pray. When they say, oh God, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Folks, everybody in every culture prays. Now who and what they pray to differs And yet, there is an internal desire in every human being to pray. It is one of the things that sets us apart from animals. In our DNA, God has wired you to talk to him. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, He has also set eternity in the human heart, meaning he has given you an eternal soul that wants to talk to the eternal one. Second thing I've learned over these, I don't know, 40 plus years of ministry is that we're not very good at prayer and we know it. Everybody I have talked to, talked to has said, you know what, I just don't know a whole lot about prayer. I don't know what to say and oftentimes I don't know how to say it, Pastor George. In fact, if I would ask you right now on camera to pray, more than likely you would faint. Folks, God doesn't want us to feel this way. And yet I have not met anyone who has thought that they were outstanding when it comes to prayer. I have not met anyone who said, you know what, I got my PhD in prayer and I am really, really, really good at it. Now this inadequacy of of prayer is not uncommon. The Apostle Paul felt this way. In Romans 8, 26, he says, for we don't even know what we should pray for, nor how to pray as we should. And think about that. Paul wrote over half the New Testament. And he's saying, I don't know what to pray. And I don't know how to pray it. And if he felt that way, hey, hey, how are we supposed to feel? The disciples one day asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Luke 11, 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now that is an amazing thing. Because they saw Jesus do all kinds of stuff, okay? To preach, teach, do miracles. And not once did they ask him to teach them how to do those things. But they did ask him to teach them about how to pray. Why? Because they saw it was the power behind his teaching, his preaching, and his miracles. Jesus is our model. And yet... Paul said, I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray it. The disciples said, hey, teach us how to pray. Folks, if you feel inadequate about prayer, guess what? It's okay. The third thing that I've learned 
is that our frustrations about prayer are often grounded in our misconceptions about prayer. And there are a lot of misconceptions out there about it. There are a lot of phony baloney ideas about prayer. There are a lot of lies and a lot of different myths that leave people feeling guilty about prayer. If there's anything that I want you to get out of this series, it's this. In fact, will you write this down? God doesn't want you to be driven by guilt, but rather drawn by grace to pray. Prayer isn't something that you should feel guilty about. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be exploding the myths about prayer so that you and I aren't guilty about prayer, but we are drawn by grace to it. Let me give you just four myths right out of, out of the gate here, okay? Prayer is not a magic wand that you wave and say the secret words and it happens. Like hocus pocus, you get a promotion. Abracadabra, you now are a great spouse. It is not a magic wand where you say uh, magical words, secret words, and, and it happens. Another one is this, prayer is not a fire extinguisher, like the sign that says, break the glass in case of emergency. A lot of people have that myth. They think, hey, you know what? <laughs> I guess it's all come down that all, that all we can do now is pray. Oh, and by the way, we better call in the professional to do that, okay? No, prayer isn't a fire extinguisher. It isn't to be our last resort. It is to be our first choice. Before you marry that significant other, guess what? You better be praying. Before you take that job, guess what? You better be praying. Before you, uh, I don't know, have kids, you better be praying. Prayer should be our first choice and not our last resort because it's not a fire extinguisher. Another misconception is a lot of times people think that prayer is a tug of war with God because they think that God is resistant in answering their prayer. And so what they have to do is they have to wear him down to get what they want. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, God wants to answer your prayers. But in this tug of war idea, we believe that we have to beg or bargain or bribe God to get what we want. Jesus told a story about this about this judge and this persistent widow that just kept coming at him and finally wore him down to get the justice that she wanted. And God shared that story and said, and God is not like that. God wants to give. And so there are myths out there. The last big one is this. Prayer is not a ritual to relieve guilt. Some people grew up with this idea. They were taught that if they committed some big sin, okay, that they had to do a certain amount of prayers. Sorry, that's not in the Bible. In fact, Jesus taught the exact opposite of that. In Matthew 6, verse, verse 7, he says, When you pray, do not use a lot of meaningless words as the pagans do, who think that their gods will hear them because their prayers are long. Prayer isn't punishment for, for sin. It, it is a privilege to, to, to pray. It is not a payback for wrongs done. 
And so during these six weeks, we're going to be exploding the myths that are out there about prayer so that we can be not driven by grace, but rather drawn, or not driven by guilt, but drawn by grace to pray. Today, football season has started. It made me think of Vince Lombardi, uh, the first uh, Super Bowl uh, coach of uh, the Green Bay Packers. Every football season, he would start off with a football in his hand and he would raise it up and he would say, this is a football. When you understand the basics, you win games. When you don't understand the basics, you lose games. Today, we're going to take a look at the basics of prayer. And we're going to take a look at four foundational truths about it. If you get these, you're, you, if you, I should say, if you don't get these, you'll see prayer as a duty and not as a delight. You will be driven by, by guilt rather than drawn by grace to pray. So I want you to get these as we begin to understand this thing called prayer. The first foundational truth is simply this, that God loves for you to talk with him about anything. It doesn't have to be religious or spiritual. It's whatever you're interested in. If you're interested in it, guess what? God is interested in it. And he is interested in it for a number of different reasons. One is that he just loves you. When you love somebody, you are interested in what they're interested in. Now, please don't tell Cheryl this, but honestly, I am interested in, I call it veganology, okay? In fact, she came to me uh, about a couple of years ago, maybe a little less than a couple of years ago, and said, I want to get certified on just this kind of a diet to help people and have a ministry with that. And it cost a couple thousand dollars. And I said, honey, if you're interested in it, I'm interested in it. Let's go for it. When you love somebody, you're interested in what they're interested in. But another reason is this. Where in the world do you think you got your interests from? Folks, you got them from God. God knows what you're interested in more than you know what you're interested in. And so he, he, he loves for us to talk about these things. He loves us. He's given us those interests. But the third reason, and this is significant, is that he is a father. And he enjoys talking to his kids. Parents are interested in what their kids do. Wouldn't you agree with that? They are. And grandparents even more so, okay? And so I say this. If you are bored with prayer, it's because you're not talking with God about the things that you're interested in. You're talking to God about the things that you think you ought to be talking to God about. Let me show you a few verses. In Psalms 103, verse 13, the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who reverence him. God is like a father who is tender and compassionate. Now, those of you who are parents, did you wait until your kids could talk in order to love them? You didn't. You loved them before you even saw them. When they were in their mommy's tummy, you loved them. When they came out of their mommy's tummy and all they did was poop and pee and, and spit up, guess what? You loved them. 
You loved them before they could communicate with you. Why? Because you were their daddy or their mommy. Now let me just say this. Whether you talk to God or not, God loves you deeply just like a parent does with a child who can't communicate. As my kids grew up, I could not wait to communicate with them, to talk with them. And I wanted them to understand what, what I was even saying. Today, my boys love to go out with me. We call it B&O night, where we go out and we just talk about stuff. We talk about cars and sex. We talk about jobs and sex. And we talk about my grandkids and sex. You kind of get the idea, okay? We, we talk about stuff. That's the way God is with you. He longs for the day that you will grow up and you'll be able to learn to talk to each other. This is called prayer. Now, how do you learn to do this? How do you learn to pray? Well, let me ask you this. How'd you learn the language that you speak now? I'll tell you how. You first listened. That's what you first did. You listened. And then you started trying it yourself. And you practiced at it again and again and again and again. And guess what happened? A word came out of your mouth. And then there were two words. And then there was a sentence. And, and if you're a guy, that's as far as you got. But if you were a gal, you went on to paragraphs and, and writing books. Folks, that's how it happens. Now, let me ask you this. Did your first conversation make any sense? I don't think so. You didn't come out of the womb saying, four scores and seven years ago, our forefathers married our foremothers and had four babies, by the way. No. When you first began to talk, folks, it didn't make any sense whatsoever. But your mom and dad were able to interpret what you were saying. Why was that? Because they loved you. In the very same way, God the Father loves you, and he wants you to grow up and be able to talk with him and him to talk with you. And he loves the communication that is going on at every stage of your life. Just like my grandkids. At three years old, they would paint a certain picture. And you know what grandpa would say about that picture? It's perfect. And then at five years old, they would paint another picture. And you know what grandpa would say? Oh, this is just perfect. And then at 10 years old, they would paint another picture. And again, I would say, this is perfect. And as they would look at those pictures at three and five and 10, grandpa, are they all perfect? And I said, absolutely. All of them are perfect because they're perfect for where you're at. Folks, God doesn't wait for you to get to some place before he starts loving you. He loves you right where you are at, and he is waiting for you to talk with him, even at that level. Take a look at 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15. We can be confident in approaching God, knowing that he listens to us, 
whenever we ask him for anything according to his will. And since we know that he hears us when we make our requests, then we can be sure that he will answer us. Will you circle the phrases, he listens to us, he hears us. That is a for sure thing. That means we can have confidence when we come to God, and regardless of what stage we're at, that we can come to him without shame, without fear, without hesitation. Folks, we can come with him without guilt. There is nothing that you and I can say that will cause God to stop loving us. Now, I want you to write this down. Prayer is a conversation and not a ceremony. A ceremony is about rules, regulations, and rituals. It is about doing things in a certain way. A comes before B, B, and B comes before C. Prayer is not a ceremony. It is not about rules and regulations and rituals. Folks, it's just a conversation. And in a conversation, you talk and you listen. You listen and you talk. You talk some more and you listen some more. Prayer is a two-way conversation. It is not a monologue. We've all been in situations with a person where it was just a monologue, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And we, we tend to avoid those types of people because it's just boring. Prayer is not a monologue. It is uh, uh, it's a dialogue. It's where you listen and you talk. And when you listen, you just ask God, God, is there anything you want to say to me? And you allow him to put impressions on your heart. And so prayer is not a ceremony. It is a conversation. Secondly, prayer is, is not a ritual. It is a relationship. It is about getting close to God it is about becoming more acquainted with God. It is about learning who God is. If prayer is boring for you, more than likely it's because you don't understand this concept, that it is about a relationship. And more than likely in your relationship, because it's boring, you're talking to God about things that you think you ought to talk about, that you have to talk about, that you should talk about. It's not about the things that you're interested in and how you're feeling. Folks, once you get into this trap of thinking that prayer is a ritual, you won't do a lot of praying because it's because, it's because of guilt motivation. God doesn't want you to be driven by guilt. He wants you to be drawn by grace. He loves listening to you. He loves talking to you. And you and he can talk about anything you want. And so the first foundational truth about prayer as we begin to just grow in this is that God loves for you to talk with him about anything and everything. The second foundational truth is that God wants or God listens to prayers that are sincere and simple. You don't have to use fancy language or flowery speeches uh, or religious words with God. You just talk to God as you normally talk. 
The only condition is that it be sincere, meaning that it comes from your heart and that it be simple. In other words, it's authentic, it's real, it's honest. You pray, in other words, what you feel. Not what you ought to feel or what you think you ought to feel or what you think you ought to say. No, you you talk to God in a normal way. When you come to God, you don't address God, oh, thou most high reverend God, I beseech thee that thou warmest my heart towards thyself. Folks, God is not from England, okay? <laughs> he understands all languages and he understands all slang. He's the one that invented it, it all. And so you come to God sincerely and you come to God simply using your normal words. When you sit down to, to, to eat, you, you don't come to God and say, bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies, God, and our bodies to thy service. Bless the gift and the giver. Huh? Where in the world did that come from? No, when you sit down, you can say, God, hey, it's me. And right now, God, I'm really hungry, and I've got this, I got this taco bueno uh, taco in front of me, and my mouth is watering, and uh, I'm going to make this a short prayer, God. Thank you for this fast food. Amen. Folks, just be real. It doesn't have to sound super spiritual. God listens to prayers that are simple and sincere. And so that means you tell God how you feel. If you're feeling mad, then you tell him you're mad. Just say, hey, God, right now I'm just ticked at you. He can handle it, okay? Or you can say, God, this really bothers me. I'm really mad about this. This, this burns my blessed assurance right now. I mean, do you realize that a third of the Psalms are, are Psalms of lament, Psalms of complaint, where the psalmist was just complaining to God and just pouring out his heart the way he felt. It was sincere and by the way, they were short. Your prayers don't have to be long to be sincere. Some people think that way. They think longer is stronger. Folks, that's not true. I will never forget this time, and I won't say what seminary it was, but we went to a graduation of students that were graduating from seminary, and this professor, theological pr professor, prayed 15 minutes and my kids, after the prayer, looked at me and said, Dad, that was the longest prayer ever. My eyelids were almost frozen shut. They don't have to be long to be sincere. In fact, I would say, make them short. Get to the point. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 6, 5 through 8. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they, are, they have received their reward in full. Instead, when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep babbling on and on and on and on like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. You might write that down. Longer is not stronger. 
You don't have to take one request and pray it nine different ways. Just get to the point. Here's the bottom line. Take a look at Hebrews 10, 22. Let us come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith. Those are the two qualifications. A sincere heart, meaning you talk to God about what you're interested in. And you tell him how you feel. And then you talk to him with sure faith, meaning a simple faith, a childlike faith, where you're not embarrassed, where you're not, where you're not ashamed, where you're not hesitant to talk to him. Sincere and simple. God loves for you to talk to him about anything. And he wants you to talk to him sincerely and simply. The third foundational truth is simply this. God likes to show his grace by answering prayer. Now we're going to expand on this next week. I don't want you to miss this series because we're laying the foundations. But God is our father and he is a good, good father. He loves to answer your prayers. And he is gracious in doing so. We know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. God loves to give. 20 times in the New Testament, it says, um, ask and what? It'll be given to you. Uh, Seek and what? Uh, You will find. Knock and what? And the door will be open to you. God is a gracious God and he loves to give. Why? Because it reveals who he really is regardless of his answer. Regardless of God's answer, he is a good, good God. Let me ask you this question. Do you know any parent who gives a child everything that they request? I hope not, okay? That would ruin that child. Truly, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of reasons why a parent doesn't say yes to every child's request. And that doesn't make that parent bad. In the very same way, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of reasons why God doesn't answer your requests. Folks, God is not a genie in a bottle where your every wish is granted. In fact, when you pray, there are four possible prayers. And you're familiar with the first three. Yes, no, and not yet, okay? But here's one you may may not be familiar with. You gotta be kidding me. You want what? Oh, come on. Folks, we've all prayed those kind of prayers where God has said, you want what? Come on, you got to be kidding me. You see, as a child is immature, they can't differentiate between no and not yet. As a Christian matures, they begin to realize, though, that God's denial doesn't mean, or God's delay does not mean God's denial. A lot of times God will say, I have every intention of giving this to you, but not yet. 
And maturity is when you and I can realize the difference between a no and not yet. And yet, regardless of the answer that God gives, yes, no, not yet, or you got to be kidding me, okay, come on. God is a good God. In high school and in my first year of college, there was a girl that I just, I wanted to marry. In fact, we were engaged. And I prayed and prayed and prayed that we would get married, and it never came about. Honestly, I'm really glad. This verse in Jeremiah 33.3 says this, Call to me and I will answer you. I will show you marvelous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. In other words, God has a bigger perspective. And when I was praying, oh God, this would make me really happy if I could just marry this person. And God says, guess what? I don't think that's going to make you happy. Well, instead, I'm going to give you a bigger perspective. And I am glad that God did. Because there is, was, there is no one more perfect for me than my wife, Cheryl. I married the perfect woman for me, and she married an okay guy right here, if you understand what I'm talking about. Sometimes we ask God, God, I know this will make me happy. Would you just, would you just give this to me? And God says, no, I don't think that will make you happy at all. In fact, I know what will make you happier more than you do. I love Garth Brooks' song along these lines. Thank God for unanswered prayer. Folks, if we got everything that we asked for, we would be ruined. But because God is a good God, he only gives us good gifts. And oftentimes he holds back and he says, I want to give you a bigger perspective of what I'm wanting to do for you. Take a look at Matthew 7 verse 11. If you, being imperfect and sinful parents, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? God is a perfect Father. God loves for me to talk to him about anything. He wants me to come to him sincerely and simply. He loves me at every stage. It's a conversation and not a ceremony. It's, it's not a ritual. It's a relationship that he longs for. God, God loves to show me his goodness by answering my prayers. Yes, no, not yet, or even, oh, come on, you got to be kidding me, okay? The fourth foundational truth as we begin to understand prayer, to grow in prayer, is is this, and this is a big one. If you get this, this will change your life. Not just your mentality, but it will change how you feel about cars. It'll change how you feel about your career. It'll change how you feel about your children. It'll change how you, how you think and feel about your past, your present, and your future. Folks, it will change everything. And it's this. God loves to be close to me. He desires it. He, he wants it deeply. He wants to be close to you, and he wants you to be close to him. Read Isaiah 30, 18. The Lord waits for you to come to him so he can show you his love 
and compassion. Did you know that every day that you go without prayer and reading God's word, God waits to show you his love and his compassion? Some of you parents out there know the unique pain of what I'm talking about. You have a child that is nonverbal. I think of this when we go to, or in our friendship club, where we have about 30 to 40 different adults, that many of them are nonverbal. And we're ministering to them. And I think of parents whose hearts are aching because they love their child so deeply, but for whatever reason, maybe physical, maybe emotional, maybe relational, whatever it is, that child is unable to communicate. And it breaks those parents' hearts. Or maybe you're a parent of a child who could talk to you, but they won't and they don't. They have shut you out of their life and it has hurt you deeply. Folks, that's the way God feels with you when you don't talk to him. He just says, why won't you talk to me? I made you. I love you. I want a relationship with you. I want to show you my love and I want to show you my compassion towards you. And yet what we do is we turn away and we walk away. God has designed you to be close with him. Listen to the passion of this verse. Hosea 6, 6. I don't want your sacrifices. I don't want your rituals. I want your love. I want a relationship. I don't want your offerings. I don't want a ceremony. I want you to know me. I want a conversation where we talk and you listen, and I listen and you talk. Folks, no one will love you more than God. No man, no woman, no child. Job, I believe, said it best in Job 29, in the prime of my life, God was my best friend. Is God your best friend? Folks, I have walked with God for 48 years. I have a relationship with God. A lot of people know about God. They have this mental assent. Folks, I know more about God than I know about you. And I have a relationship with him where he has revealed to me things that I never thought I would see. And we have done some really cool, cool stuff in these 48 years. How do you get that kind of a relationship? That's the relationship God wants with you. Take a look at Psalms 25, verse 14. Friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence him. 
With them he shares the secrets of his covenant. How do you get a relationship with God where he reveals his secrets to you? Where you get to do some cool stuff as you walk together down this road called life. It's as you begin to respect him. It is as you begin to draw close to God. If you draw close to God, guess what? God will draw close to you. And you will discover some really cool things. And you will do some really cool things. And you will have a great friendship with God. In this series, as a church family, I want you to pray five things. And you can pray them in whatever way you want. But you can see it, hopefully, on your screen. These are going to be the five things that we begin to converse with God about from now until the end of the year. The first one is for our new pastor. Not my replacement, but my successor, who will take us to a new level in a church. Secondly, I want us to pray about what we're going to give towards missions this year. As you know, every year, at the end of the year, we give towards our mission partners. And we want to raise about $75,000 this year because of COVID and the hurts that are out there globally and locally as well. And then I want us to pray for ourselves. What area do I need to grow in? And then who should I be praying for? And who can I invite during this holiday season to come online and to participate with us as we enter into the holidays? They're not very far away and I'm already working on the holiday series. And then lastly, where would you like to serve? We've created a new ministry called the Care Card Ministry where you can begin praying for people in your neighborhood. And we've got it all worked out. And you can send them cards that will encourage them during this COVID time. If you're interested in this, would you just please let us know. You can contact us or contact Marty Martin and we will walk you through this because we want to be praying for people in our neighborhoods and we want them to know that we care. And so as we launch off on this series, let's be a church that learn, begins to learn how to just be close with God because as we do that, I guarantee you this, we're gonna see more blessings and our stress level is going to go down. Church, let's pray. Lord, I just wanna thank you that we can be real with you and we can talk with you about the things that we're interested in, the things that we're concerned about and that we don't have to come to you in some pompous, ceremonial type way that we can just be real. And God, I just thank you for that. I thank you for the relationship that you long to have with us. God, we wanna be close to you, even as a church family. And I pray that as we walk down this road over these next several weeks, that God, we would know you for who you are, that you are a good, good father that you love us, and that there's nothing that we can't talk with you about. And so God, be in our time these weeks to come. Help us, God, to grow in prayer, we pray. In your son's name, 
Amen.